Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Last week we had a very compelling interview with Leslie Haskin. I want you to know that you can go back and hear that at chooseliferadio.com. You can go to our podcast and hear that first interview. It's important that you hear it. Today, we're going to kind of brief you on some of what we talked about, but we've got so much more to the story. And I want Leslie to be able to really talk today about the importance of understanding when people go through trauma, what trauma really means for them. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host today. And again, we are welcoming Leslie Haskin. Leslie, I'm so appreciative of you coming back a second time to finish this story. Jill, thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Well, Leslie and I have both agreed that we'll give each other room when we start to cry because it is such a powerful story. Leslie, kind of give us the the five-minute thought of how this all took place for you. Where were you at 9-11? My office was in Tower One. I was a director of operations and project management for Kemper Insurance Company. I went into the office that morning, and my world changed. I describe it like dressing up that morning, putting on a suit, and going to war. Everything happened so fast from, you know, coming in, starting my day, standing at the window, talking to my assistant when the first plane hit the tower. And that plane came in right over us. And from the moment the plane hit the building, we knew that something was wrong. We could, the buildings kind of swayed and and didn't right itself. And there was debris and paper and objects falling out of the window within minutes of that first impact. I'm never clear on how long it took us to get from our office to the concourse where the jumpers were, but that journey down those stairs seemed to take forever. The stairs were narrow. There was smoke and water everywhere. We saw firemen escorting people down the stairs and running up the stairs and we would move to the side to try to get out of the way and not see what we saw but there was no unseeing it just take a minute and tell me about that no thought of what you were seeing but not able to unsee it at one point in the stairs there was a lot of explosions and we could hear the screaming coming from was the elevator banks and it just from behind the walls, depending on what floor we were on. And at one point, a gentleman poked his head out of one of the the office spaces and told us to, that, you know, there, the doors were locked underneath us. We were blocked. We couldn't get out and we needed to come through that office space and go around. So, so many people, we just started kind of pushing through there into that office space. And as we did, I remember seeing wires and everywhere just hanging from the ceilings and water dripping and windows were exploded out. It it looked like maybe a demolition. I, I can't describe how that office was just so out of place from where we had just come from. 
and there was a man standing and his head was kind of to the side and he was just watching us, just looking at us. And I looked at him and he never blinked. And then later I realized that he had been decapitated and he, he wasn't really looking at us. His face is just fixed in his last position. That's what he looked like when he took his last breath. It's a surreal kind of thing. There's no sentence that I can say to complete it. I don't know what that look was, but when I realized that his body was slightly to the left from his head, somebody else realized it at the same time, the man next to me, and slammed the door, and we didn't go into that area. We continued down the stairs, and at that point, the woman next to me, her na- I remember her name was Linda, she fell and she started throwing up and we just kind of stood in those stairs for a minute because we were trapped in the stairs. And, you know, I, I think now that when I'm looking back, I, I remember that that was the point that the second plane had hit the tower and the door that we were leaving through beneath us slammed shut and that's why we were kind of trapped in the stairs. Well, Leslie is sharing in a fast way a very complicated story, but we've all wondered, what was it like? Who got out? How did they get out? And how could they have survived the fire and the heat and everything else? Leslie, I just want to say, I know God had a reason for you being protected somehow, and your your willingness to share this story and to continue on, because this isn't the end. You lost 22 of your close friends. When I think of losing one friend, I'm just overwhelmed, and I miss them. But for you, you're already in a state of loss, and then your friends are gone. And Jill, not just my friends, but also the man I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. He worked for cancer, and... There was no, back to your point about wondering what happened in that building, there was no rhyme or reason to where the worst parts of that building was. Some floors, you open the door and it was chaos and the floor was, was not even recognizable. And then other floors, you open the door and it was just another day at work. It was so random in what we saw. I was diagnosed with severe post-traumatic stress disorder, and I suffered a mental break. My mind could not wrap itself around everything that I had seen and everything that I'd lived through, and so it just didn't. It just stopped working. My brain just said, I can't do it. So I was um, committed to a psychiatric hospital, and convinced that the Taliban, wherever I went, was looking for me to kill me. And I had no connection to reality after 9-11. And you had a son with you at this point. Tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about Elliot, how old he was when all this happened and how he, what he was worried about until he heard from you. Elliot was 12 years old, almost 13 at the time. And from the mind of a 12-year-old who didn't really understand terrorists or politics. He just was worried that 
mom got killed at work. And I remember when he walked through the door, it was hours later when I had gotten home. And we just kind of looked at each other. And I remember I was standing in my kitchen talking to my brother on the phone. And my brother was telling me to breathe. I remember him saying breathe. And I remember Elliot walking through the door and just running to me. And we just collapsed. And he said, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. And um, I don't know if there's anything, like I said before, I don't know if there's anything more horrible and painful than a mom or a parent seeing and hearing and experiencing the extreme agony of their child and not being able to do anything about it. Right. And probably the best thing you could do was allow him to cry and hold on to you. So the first couple of years after 9-11, you really didn't have a lot of direction. Obviously, you weren't going back to work. How did you exist during that time? I lived on my savings and my credit cards and family and close friends who from time to time would, you know, cook us a meal. My cousin came and stayed with us and, you know, took a part-time job to kind of help feed us because there was no money coming in until eventually we became homeless, my son and I. And we were homeless for two years after 9-11, just with me struggling to get my head on straight and just be productive, not just get my head on straight, but just return to a productive state of mind. The first six months of being homeless, my son and I were separated. He was with one family and I was with someone else. But it was two years before I was able to just really have a full sentence and focus we're talking about a very serious story that took place on 9-11, and this month, as we look at 20 years ago, we're going to come right back after a brief break at Choose Life Radio. During September, Choose Life Radio is commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11 with a series of special guests. We hope you find these conversations both informative and inspiring. Remember, you can always revisit an interview or share a program with a friend by stopping by the podcast section of ChooseLifeRadio.com. While you're there, consider partnering with us as we take a stand for God's precious gift of life. You can make a secure, tax-deductible gift to Choose Life Radio online. If you prefer to reach us by mail, our address is posted at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Also, Jill would like for this to be a two-way conversation. If you have a story to share, a comment, a suggestion, a question, you can reach Jill directly at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Would love to hear from you, would be blessed to pray with you, and are ready to help you take a stand for life. So connect with us today at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor. I'm so blessed that you're with us. If you have just joined us, you're going to need to go back and catch up. We can't afford to take that time right now for you. But please go back to our website, chooseliferadio.com, and hear this and share it with others as well. Leslie Haskin is sharing a very difficult story about loss and about pain and about things that she saw on 9-11. So Leslie, 
tell me about how God came to you and strengthened you in this time of literally being homeless. In my arrogance, I wanted to make sure that I had the best everything, not just for myself, but for my son. I was happy with the life that I had built and giving no credit to God whatsoever. I was my God. And part of being a God of my own life was making sure that I wore all the best clothes, had the right friends, lived in the right neighborhood, and that my son went to the right school. Well, that right school just happened to be a Christian school. And so my son went to a Christian school, was learning about the Lord, had Christian friends, Christian teachers who prayed for him and prayed for me. And one morning I was sitting on my bed, actually very late at night, going into the morning, and my son came in my room and sat next to me on the bed. And as you can imagine, I had weapons all around me. I was terrified. I boarded the windows in my home for fear that the Taliban or somebody would sneak in through the night. My son sat next to me on the bed and he said, Mom, you know, I was studying in school yesterday. And the word says that if you're lukewarm in your faith, God will spit you out of his mouth. And I don't know to this day why that scripture and why that word from him struck me the way that it did, but it struck me and it moved me and the Holy Spirit of God just moved in my heart. And when my son left the room, I just cried. I got all of the pills that the doctors had given me and I put them in the toilet and I said, Lord, I don't know you. I don't love you. And I don't know how to get out of where I am. But if you are the God that my mother said you are, I need you to be real in my life. And I woke up the next morning and the butterflies was on my window and birds were singing and music was playing over my head. No, I'm just kidding. None of that happened. (laughs) You had me. (laughs) None of that happened. I woke up the next morning and I was still a mess, but I was a mess on a mission to find the God of my mother. And I picked up a Bible and I started reading it and it spoke to me and the Lord spoke to me as the months went by He kept speaking to me, and then he started rebuilding me into the Leslie that he wanted Leslie to be, not the Leslie that I thought I should be. And the more I got to know him, the closer I got to him, the more I discovered me. And it's been that way for 20 years now, 20 years of learning, getting closer to him, and finding out who I am in Christ. Well, Elliot uh, is a really incredible young son, <laughs> and and what's he doing now? You, he's is he married? He's married with two amazing children. <laughs> Elliot went through a period of anger and violence and trouble with the police, and I thought I would lose him to the streets. But there's a song that says, "Mercy said no." God did not let him go, and he is in his 30s now. He has a beautiful wife, Jade, and two amazing little girls, 
they are just the most beautiful souls you ever want to meet. So Elliot is fine. I talked about you making me cry. That's the part where I cry, because it is amazing to me that you reached out to God with such genuine desire and search. And you had been raised in a family where your dad and your mom pastored together. You had a large family. You had a lot of support. It's amazing how the craving of what we don't have and we never seem to lose that craving. It's automatic when you're raised in the church and you just taught God, but we were not, we didn't, I didn't get that personal relationship with him that my mother had or that my father had. I did it because I was taught to do it because it was the thing to do. It was rituals. It was get up, go to church. It was read the Bible. It was do this. And that's what you do. And then you say, yes, I'm a Christian because I'm I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing the best I can. But there's a difference between being a Christian and being in a committed, intimate relationship with God. The difference is the, the time that we're spending and the listening that we're doing and the learning of taking the Word of God and applying it to our lives, not in a scriptural way, not in the thus saith the Lord way, but, hey, Leslie, for your sadness and for your depression and for your anxiety, the Word says, hey, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. And what does that translate to in my everyday life when I'm going through post-traumatic stress disorder? It is singing. Make a joyful noise. Turn on the radio. Sing. Go outside. So it was taking what I learned scripturally and applying it to my life. What does that really mean? How does your word really help me? I know you're talking about eternity. I can't wait to be in eternity with you Father, but how do I take what you've taught me and apply it to this thing called life that I've got to navigate every day of chaos and uncertainty? How am I going to do that? That's the relationship I'm talking about. (laughs) That's a powerful relationship with God. And I think it's born out of such pain that it is strong in love and gratitude. And I think as, as my listener and I are listening to you, we are both challenged with the fact that we may be taking it too easy. You know, we might not be remembering to be asking God and begging God and walking with God every minute of our day. We may set him aside at times. Boy, Leslie, I, I wouldn't want to learn it the way you learned it. But the way you learned it is so powerful for everyone who hears you. You speak a lot. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I took a two-year hiatus from traveling, of course, with COVID and a few other things. It was stop and take care of me. And so I'm still writing. My latest book was uh, released last year at the start of COVID. It's called When Your Towers Fall. And it's really about helping people walk through depression or loss or anxiety and and the hard stuff in life. And I am still getting back to traveling and speaking at seminars and, and churches. And I have a lot to say about how God is bigger than whatever your towers are. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than our political agendas and differences and 
our COVID and cancers, and he's bigger than that. And that's so true, that we hover under a pillow and say, please, how do I face the next day? And God is wanting us to trust him and to speak to others who are also hurting and need that help. I'm proud of your son. Tell Elliot when you get the chance to talk to him that the fact that he went through the rough stuff is common. It would be common for any child who thought he had lost his mother and then realized what you'd gone through. But for God, that he had the opportunity to really see God in a different way than you were seeing him. I'm just so grateful. You speak for other organizations. How would someone get a hold of you? They can contact me through my website. It's lesliehaskin.net. They can also find me on Facebook. It's, again, Leslie Haskin. I'd just be happy to come and speak and share if, if they're just looking for individual counseling and encouragement and prayer. I'm offering that as well. But they can reach me at my website at lesliehaskin.net. And that's spelled Leslie with an I-E and Haskin, H-A-S-K-I-N dot net. Leslie, this has been one more time where I feel so close to you and so blessed that you're willing to share your story with us. And I pray that the listener who's with us today can share this story by going to chooseliferadio.com and perhaps listening with them. Maybe you know someone who went through some of the trials of 9-11, and you need to go to them and say, I've heard a story and I recognize what pain you went through. Just want to encourage you, tell you I love you. Those are some of the things that we can do. I'd love to pray with you and pray with our listener. Leslie, would you pray as well for them? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I'll start and you finish up for me. Father God, you are the one who holds our lives in your hand. You have created us. You have watched us grow. You've watched us wander. You called us back. You love us. You love your children. And Father, there is no source that could be more broken than a Christian to go through something like what Leslie went through. And it's not just Leslie. We realize the many families that lost their family member. The people who stood in the streets and watched people desperate enough to say, I'm going to jump. Father God, I pray protection over this nation. I pray protection in a way that we turn ourselves back to you, Lord. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who knew exactly what things we would go through and tried to prepare us. Father, how grateful we are that you are still God and that you remain on the throne and you remain in control of our lives and our outcomes. We thank you, Lord, that you are so much bigger than anything and everything that we encounter. We trust ourselves to you completely. We give ourselves to you completely, Lord, knowing that you are the God who you say you are. You comfort us. You redeem us, Lord. You, we find our value and our worth and so much more 
even who we are, we find that in you. So even as the world, Lord, is in chaos around us, even, Lord, as more uncertainty unravels every day, we know that you are the same God. You are the same reliable God. You are the same steadfast God. You are the same God who heals us, who takes away our diseases, Lord, who redeems us, who networks and brings us together and gives us the promise of an eternity with you. And because of that, Father, we worship you. We offer you all of our worship Now, Father, will you come for every person, Lord, who's unsure or unstable or going through difficult times? Father, will you make yourself real to them? Let them feel you in a way that they've never felt you before, Lord. Give them comfort and let them know that you are God. Beside you, there's none other, and you've got this. You've got them, Lord. And if there's no happy ending yet to their story, their story's not over yet. Give them endurance, Lord. We pray, and because you've compelled us to come, we're here, and we thank you, and we wait with amazing expectation for everything that you are about to do for those who are listening today and those who know you and come for you. We thank you, Father. We bless your name, and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Leslie, your faith and your courage, your strength to overcome what you went through is is amazing. We are grateful for you sharing that story with us today. For the last three weeks, we have focused on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Next week, we conclude our series with David Beamer. We're grateful to have him. He's the father of Todd Beamer. Thank you for joining us at Choose Life Radio. I look forward to seeing you next week. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.